I'm Nadia Cheney. I am so excited to welcome you to the Adaptogen podcast, where we learn the journeys, the obstacles, the obsessions, and the professional tips from facilitators all over the world. The very first episode of the Adaptogen podcast is with Ruby Singh, who was one of my earliest collaborators, and I can't wait for you to hear a little bit of his story. (laughs) Well, this is appropriate for it to all start with us just laughing a bunch. (laughs) I think so. Right. What is your history of facilitation together? A lot of laughing. So much. At old jokes. At old jokes. (laughs) Deep, deep inside baseball here. Where do you want to start? Well, I want to start at the beginning, I think. Okay. Um, I It was really dark in there. I guess I want to start. It was. Wettery? wettery. Yeah. It's wet, <laughs> dark. <laughs> Started to see light um, in about four months. That's an interesting thing to actually talk about is what, what, what are these beginnings? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if we took it more seriously in that sense. Yep. When we talk about like, well... How did you start? I imagine that you like start in your work as a facilitator. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that your story is somewhat similar to mine that when you started, you already knew how to do it. Yeah. Um, there was like, you know, I did a couple of these weird kind of government youth theater gigs. With I, Sobe? I don't know if you're, yeah, exactly. With Sobe. One was, uh, so one was uh, this like anti racism. I'm, doing air quotes right now because this is uh, the government trying to talk about racism uh, back in the late 90s. Um, And so, as you know, it's just like a big colorblind world with all. Um, And so then I went into doing this and that was more like presentation based. So I got comfortable speaking in front of groups through theater and and various spoken word and stuff. And you were already working in the arts at that time or? Yeah, just I just kind of gotten into like I was into music. I was playing music at that point. Sapna exists at that point, um, and so like the idea. I think one of the biggest hurdles in the beginning for a lot of folks is just actually being in front of people uncomfortable. And so because I had done that through theater and through spoken word and music, that 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 all kind of worked in there. And then when we went into the green team with uh, you know folks like the Sobi One. That was like more intimate in class kind of teaching and facilitating. So that was when like the arc of the educational models started really kind of coming into my brain more. And then kind of shortly after that, I started at the music school too, right? Wow, you've been that long at the Sarah McLaughlin School of Yeah, o- over 20 years. Oh my God. I know, it's pretty insane. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say those are the kind of beginning steps. Sorry, say again. When you talk about the arc of education, what do, what do you mean by that? I'm really I think if people use that in different ways. Yeah, no, I guess I, the arc of how we educate, I guess. The like, you know, our like intros, our warm-ups, our icebreakers, our like uh, agreements, our goals, our like, you know, all of our kind of like formula chunks that go into seeing how an arc works in a space. Okay. And like creates, you know, What's the what's that great word? What's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for a word. A hero's journey, the scaffolding. Scaffolding, bang. 
yeah, and that was kind of where I first started to think about those things. And I was also able to bring in like my music, storytelling, and different things like that into that as well. So at a at a very beginning time, creativity was merged with the facilitation. And then from there, I went into Ames. Actually, I think even before we 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 headed off to Portland uh, and started doing you know anti access to media education society. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I was invited into there and uh, started doing kind of anti-racism and anti-homophobia work. And again, we started kind of looking at what are those chunks that create effective workshops and, you know, moving, moving through all that stuff. Now that work you did at Ames, actually, that was the first time we facilitated together. It was before Portland. But oh, well, okay. yeah, I did one of those, but I didn't start with you. I came in later. Later, that's right. Uh, but that was where you all designed those first anti-racism workshops that um, that in some ways, we, I mean, we're still using a lot of those pieces now. Totally. Like the child's eye, the yeah. idea that, uh, you know, you, you, you've taken in all these influences yeah. and that affects the way you see the world. And so kind of dislocating people's identity mm-hmm. from their uh, maybe prejudices. Did you yeah. all invent that child's eye at that time? Or I don't know where it no, came from. Oh, I don't think so. I think that came through, through, because, you know, Ames model, one of the, I think, best models that I've still, still know till this day is that whole idea of like, get young people to talk about what they care about, bring in educators and facilitators to look at what the, the young people have been thinking about and think about educational pieces that can fit with that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure I've learned that through, through Ames. And originally, like, we used it as, like, a media literacy piece. Oh, that's right. Think about how we're taking in media, what media we're taking in, what the media is telling us. But, of course, that applies. Media is everything that mediates your experience. You know? The mediums. The mediums. Yeah, so, okay, so now at this time, you're, like, I don't know, my guess is, like, you're 22 at this time? Somewhere around there. Something, something little. (laughs) Something in there, something in there, at least half- Half of me, I was about half of me at that point. <laughs> and what, um, when do you think you knew that this would be such a big part of your life's journey? Great question. I mean, you know, kind of like a lot of my initial kind of movement into this world was in asking a, you know, a power that's greater than me, where I can be of best service in the world mm-hmm. uh, and ending up in these spaces continually. So. Do you that you didn't? Would you say that you didn't necessarily even ever choose it as a career, or it chose you? Yeah, I think very much that's the case with my life in general. I feel like a lot of a lot of the things that have been chosen um, for me uh, and directed for me because I've asked for that as well. Because you know, got to get out of your own way sometimes. So you're talking (laughs) about somehow giving up control. You. See that in your practice? Uh, more and more. The more and more I feel comfortable. I think when, like, you know, when we're first starting out, it's like, okay, build a container, build a container, hold the container. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> since then, like, and that was really great to, great to know because that container can be rigid at first and then it can have soft and flexible edges. Uh, it can have openings <laughs> for people to, like, leave and return. <laughs> so, you know, I think where we where we started in understanding what that container meant and where we've all kind of grown to uh, just kind of comes along with that maturity, you know what I mean? Facilitating when I'm 22 as opposed to when I'm 45 is really different. 
let's talk a little bit more into some of those differences before we get into, I want to get into stories for sure. Because okay. <laughs> we have- We got a few. We got so many stories, but I kind of want to prime people a bit with your, your sort of your, um, the tenets of your practice. Mm. Um, and this is a really interesting one around because you started with, okay, here's the arc. So when you say now you don't need the same kind of container, mm. do you not follow that arc in the same way? I think it's just a little bit more fluid because it's so embodied. You know what I mean? It allows for the adaptation of who's in the room and what the people in the room need more as opposed to what I needed as a beginning facilitator. That's really interesting. Create the space in the room. But you needed certain, this, I think this would be really helpful for beginners who are listening. Mm. You needed certain things to be in place for your own, it wasn't for the group, it was for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like for me to do the best work that I could do at that point in my understandings, I need to set up like these good, like good building blocks for, like you're saying, like scaffolding for, you know, the participants, but scaffolding for yourself as well. And I love that you put it that way, because I think sometimes it's easy to think, oh, I'm just here. I have to give everything away and I'm just here to be of service, which is true. But then there's what really asking what you need. And I love this idea that you need structural elements mm -hmm. for yourself, not just to feel safe, but I guess to be able to know what am I delivering at any given time? Yeah, I think definitely, I, again, in the beginning of the work, that yeah. all felt like super important. And then now at this point, it's just like, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, like in nature. It's, it, it's natural, it's embodied. It's, 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 it's like, it's, it's all built in there. And yeah. it's a lot more, I think a lot more flexible. What do you think were the main challenges? Like as a, cause you were, you were very confident when I met you, oh Not that, you know, you were just like a, you were young and springy and a dancer and just really walked with a lot of confidence. So I, I wonder what kind of challenges were you facing back then? Um, honestly, shutting up. <laughs> no you comment. I mean? And listening, <laughs> like, you know, the late, great Charlie Murphy, <laughs> um, you know, gave me the tool of sticking my tongue on the back of my teeth. Oh, you know what I mean? And just be like, this, this is a great way for you to be able to sit and listen. Um, so I'd say that those were the challenges of such a, you know, came out of a place of being, I think, a fairly shy teenager getting into getting into theater that really started opening me up. And then like, you know, in the anti-racism place in my brain, I was like, fuck it, I'm taking up space. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I have like given up space to all this whiteness for so long uh, and not occupied. And I'm just going to occupy with, with all of me and just bring all of me into the room. And that's just not what's needed all the time. <laughs> that's when I met you. I remember that's when I met you and I was so impressed by it. Mm -hmm. And it really had a big, um, it really had a big influence on me to see and to be around you in that space and to feel your... Because a lot of times I think my experience of people who were that big at that age, you know, for me was um, people who were like very egotistical or very like, but you had such a kindness, even back then, such a softness, but you were really, you and, and our friend Sarah, I felt that with both of you. And I really learned a lot about them, that it wasn't something to be ashamed of, to hold, that you didn't have to hold your voice back. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was really an incredible thing to witness back then yeah it's, it's interesting how like music and spoken word kind of were those keys you know what i mean yeah. like it's it's yeah. so tied into our own personal stories of what creativity has done for us which is why we want to bring creativity to so many other people 
Yeah, that's right. The voice and the embodiment of taking up space. Yeah. <laughs> so your big challenge was shutting up. <laughs> I, I think that was one of my keys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and of course, along with shutting up is listening, is listening, right? So, uh, you know, like just... Uh, I had, you know, started tuning into sound and now I just needed to like tune into other people and, you know, as much as that like elastic of like, boom, I'm here, I really want to like make my presence known, what I, what I came to learn was the like the ebb and flow of that, uh, of mm -hmm. like, yes, occupy space, but make that space invitational and listen. <laughs> and good God, listen more. That's beautiful. That's really, it, it's really interesting how Charlie... Murphy kind of was able to so early on kind of put his finger on these these things that would follow us for the rest of our lives. Mm. Between him and Hanif, it was a great, great like breakdown of the like uh, you know I think I just saw you have a post about self reflection and and how much they pointed us towards that as well. Hanif, you're talking about Hanif Fazal. That's a there's some that's I don't know we where that could open up us talking stories. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when we started going down to train with him? 21. 21, okay. That's why I think you must have been 22. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Or Yeah, I think that first, I think so, yeah, 21. Yeah, because we both met him up on Cortez initially. Yeah, he was co-facilitating with Peggy. Yes, that's right. And we we're all like, what is this guy about? Yeah, do you remember why? Do you remember? I, re I remember that first hit of Hanif really clearly. I mean, his his energy, like I can still like bubble it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just so, it's so there, his energy in front of a group, um, his playfulness. He his taught us that to raise energy, like that. that's a physical thing that you do in a group. Mm. You do it with his body and not by mistake. Like we would get excited and the energy would go up, but he could actually raise energy. Yeah. And it's how do you, I wonder how we can describe that to people. I feel like he could focus energy too. Hmm. You know I mean, he'd raise it and give it focus. And, and that to me was like one of the, like he had so many great, great uh, tricks and like wizardry is how I, how I like have always described him is this like wizard of like energy in the room. Yeah. So I remember one of the, like, earlier on, up on Cortez, one of the, because he was like, hey, let's stay up a little bit late and let's do a little little training stuff. And one of the first things I remember, which is so memorable and palpable to me, is when we're all sitting in the Tiber Bay room in the dark. One of us had to leave. All of us thought of a color, and we had to walk back in and name that color. I remember. Yeah. And that, that to me was like, oh, at that point in time I had been, uh, for a few years at that point, I'd also been studying like healing arts and energy movement, um, chi, chi and prana practices. And to like see him understand the room at such a deep, deep level, I was just, you know, it, I mean, we got on trains for multiple months after that to go hang out with him. So there's a reason. Yeah, I remember that. Oh my God, I hadn't, I had forgotten that evening but have replayed that in training facilitators over and over again. And that, I think actually some of those early lessons from Charlie, Peggy and Hanif mm -hmm. me at such a deep level. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think anybody who's like had the opportunity to be with and have a, a, a bit of mentorship with any of those three are just 
we're lucky human beings. We're lucky, lucky human beings. Wow, thanks for reminding me. And that, and that was just so generous too. I remember that first youth arts camp that we were at and how, how Peggy and Hanif and then late the next week, Charlie and, and Eric, were their whole way of approaching us was take it, mm. take whatever I have and use it. And I, and just that night of training with Hanif, he didn't have to do that, you know? It really rippled out. And I think that was also a huge lesson for me was that this work is, yeah, it's a work, but it's not the kind of work where you are gaining personal expertise or personal power. Mm. It ripples out. I think that lesson, that camp, that for, and the way that they held that for us, mm. so much younger and so much less experienced. And they were like, no, we trust you, just go. Totally. You came, I had done those camps like for two years and then you came? I came the year after you. The year after, yeah. Yeah. Um, something like that. I, 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 remember, I remember I was so excited. I like invited pretty much like everybody I knew at that point to them. I was just like, gotta come. You gotta come. You gotta come. Because that again, the, 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 I were really excited. I was like, I don't want to go to a teenager camp, but I really like that Roop guy. Yeah. <laughs> what do i know about working with teenagers mm -hmm. and uh and now the question is what don't you know about working with teenagers isn't that weird <laughs> it was a real adventure getting up there that first time and mm -hmm. um and all the surround there were so many surrounding adventures that we had too like there was the work in the room the actual facilitation but i remember that week was also like the first time I, like swimming naked on Cortez. <laughs> all these, there were all these other life experiences that were opened up to me in those communities. Mm -hmm, for um, sure. Meeting a way of life that I hadn't really experienced before. This whole human potential movement was new to me mm. at that time. And, and, and getting up there and meeting all these like, you know, Mark, Vanesh and totally. Amber Wood and just these people with a really an outlook that um, was so much about how do we build the world we want to live in? What do we need to give forward? And mm. I was really inspired by that. I was really. Yeah. And I think we had like, you know, a group of at that point in time, young people um, really interested in uh, working on themselves and having an effect in the world. That's it. Well, let, I mean, we also, that was also the first heart circle I was ever in, of course. Right. And wow, like, I think that was the moment for me where I was like, wow, I, this is what I want to do with my life. Wow. It, was, it was the heart circle in particular. So the heart circle being this um, ritual at the center of this arts camp on the fourth day where people tell their stories late into the night, you know, not to go into a whole bunch of detail around it, but that telling stories and singing together again, like it, 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 gave me the sense of the sacred without the religious that was so mm -hmm. powerful just, yeah. just I think one of the most powerful things for me too is the role of the witness mm. you know I mean that came that came out of that and that mm. that for me was probably one of the biggest kind of learnings out of that we can we could tell our stories to a wall mm. but when we tell ourselves stories to a, a room full of people that are willing to list, listen and witness so much so much energy and so much like love and power goes into those situations i remember i was sitting next to you at that first heart circle had we gotten into chocolate covered espresso beans yet we had yes oh we had okay good <laughs> i know that's the other thing it wasn't easy to 
stay up late. It was so sweet how people would sleep. And you know, now in the time zone, there's this this whole thing where people will come and sleep. Yeah. And in the sessions, and it really reminds me of the heart circle. And the just not not that you know people aren't making these confessions about their lives mm. at the time zone where it's more intellectual in that sense of the the content, but the safety and the community and the camaraderie and just the fact that you can sleep. Yeah. Where would be so relaxed and that it would be a place where I don't there's something so precious to me about the nature of sleep and facilitation mm. you know because it's the thing you can't do in school you dare not if oh. you fall asleep in school it's like this terrible thing it shows that you're not paying attention it shows that you don't care but actually the opposite is true yeah I'm so safe here and it just should, it, it's like the difference in the way who's like the teacher has the power so you have to show them respect mm -hmm. but if the people have the power then they sleep and you show that sleep that respect you know? <laughs> totally that, that rest is a necessary part of what that person needs right now part of consciousness it's just a part of well right, we're, we're down this memory lane you want to walk next i don't know where should we go now it's a long lane oh i wonder how many gigs we did together hundreds yeah at least <laughs> I mean, we did hundreds in in the local youth prison alone. That's right. So we probably tipped over it. The yeah, I think we might have hit the hit 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 the thou mark. That's uh, especially metaphor too, right? Metaphor uh, being the youth uh, hip hop show. Yeah. <laughs> that that started in the youth prison. <laughs> that started in the in the Burnaby Youth Detention Center. You know, I was thinking a lot about that, actually. I've been, I, I mean, I think about that gig all the time. Mm. So many seminal lessons learned. You got to Julie C. I was thinking about Julie in particular. Yeah. And really thinking about, um, it was a conversation, I forget who I was having with, with, I think it was Malek, but we were talking about who gets recognized mm. as great facilitators, healers, uh, whatever, you know, like um, spiritual leaders, community leaders, political right. leaders, but someone like Julie who ran the school at the youth detention center, to me, that's like a real hero, even, even in a way, even more so, I mean, this is an odd thing to say about my mentors, but more so than Hanif and Peggy and Charlie, like the work that she was doing, the belief that she felt in those young people, but also the way she believed in us. Yeah. Just an extraordinary human, you know. Yeah, and just like really into the idea of personal development, yes. and that the young people had to develop themselves, and then like being dedicated to being in that space, uh, day in day out. You know what I mean? I think that's the like we've had this conversation about um, various types of work for years, right? Parachute and and longstanding connection. Um, and and what the what the difference between the two can be and what the difference between the um, between those are and like you know the advantages disadvantages how they work hand in hand you know yeah, yeah totally because uh, you know uh, and Julie was one of those people that was like I can be here for uh, yeah for a long time to work with these young people to say personal development uh, when you think about detention centers you often think about rehabilitation mm. but to think about personal development is to really really um, give the self-efficacy and the agency back to the young person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, not that I think young people should be incarcerated, to be clear. Um, I think that whole system is messed, but... Um, but we also but, knew that sometimes it was a safer... For some of them, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a and, moment, let's say, as a moment, not as a... Mm -hmm. As an ongoing institution and way that we <laughs> look to solve uh, societal woes or somebody trying to fit into society. Um, Do you have any stories from those days? What's, does anything come to mind? Oh my gosh, there's so many. So many. I mean, like, geez, we haven't even mentioned Mike Sheehan yet. Oh, we have not. <laughs> such a such a such an integral part of the beginning of our journey. That's you know right. what I mean? Because uh, it was the three of us doing that work before we even brought in sorrow, right? That's right. And 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 Mike had a very particular energy as well. I think the three. I mean, if the four of us, if you could say, like, yeah. that was also a huge learning Is for that me. That a one, two, three metaphor. <laughs> to say was that it's like it was really it's it was so so important for me to learn that you can show up as yourself mm -hmm. you know like the, the four of us were so different and brought such different energies with us yeah. that uh that were all okay they were all kind of enough inside of that and honestly what i think it like was a surprise for for the participants right being like how the shit did the four of these people fit together <laughs> it always seemed very natural to me though we were, there was so much love between us totally and and for me what was the big benefit of those days was not even the and because the work with the young people that's i have so many teaching stories that they taught me about mm -hmm. my work from those young people but the thing that like i feel like i didn't learn facilitation through training or being trained although Hanif's early lessons are essential to me Totally. I feel like I learned it from the feedback from the three of you. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that was profound. Like, we were so honest with each other. Totally. And I think we were in good practice, too, right? In our, like, you know, and again, those guidelines from Hanif of, like, setting up intention beforehand and and then afterwards, like, making sure that you debrief and see what, see what went wrong and what can be improved. Yep. Um, and so we, like, you know, followed that quite, like, strictly all the time and you know it did lead to rupture you yeah know I mean? it, it, it did lead to a place where like we recognized that we couldn't work together in the same way um or had the desire to because of you think uh, that the, the direct feedback was what led to that rupture well yeah yeah i think i think so i think it's the fact that like again that whole listening piece right because we can give all the feedback we want but if somebody's not listening it's not going to change so uh, I think that that was the kind of key kind of a key rupture in in the midst of all that. Still something I wish I was like able to handle better till this day, but um, also feels like it was absolutely the right decision for where we are all at now. Yeah, yeah. Part of that learning. Yeah, it's. I think this is something that is also important to draw out of this conversation, even between us. Oh yeah with a, a, a lifetime of friendship and and not just facilitation but creativity between us oh, as well totally. that realness of the relationships that they are not um they can't be kind of couched in a sort of toxic upliftment or something like that like a fake ass spirituality or something it's like they got very real very many times between all of us it's it's a it's a kind of to me that that is a kind of fearlessness that then allowed me to do so much of the conflict mediation work that came later. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because we just stepped into those places. I think one of the like rituals that I remember 
Uh, I got a story about Burnaby. I'll share real quickly, and then um, and then I'll I'll circle back to this other one. But uh, one thing in particular, I don't know if you remember, but early on, there was the kid who wrote in his rap something about stomping all the Jews. I remember that. To which I just lost my shit. I remember you losing your shit. Totally lost my shit. The lion came out. Oh, I did just, you know, I'm not fucking sitting there for that. I'm not, I'm not here for that shit. Um, mm. And then, of course, like, you know, later comes out that, like, he was jumped by a group of, of, of Jewish kids and all these various different things came out after, you know, I essentially had to, like, blow up at him. If he couldn't, and if he couldn't change, we had to have him leave the room. Um, again, like what we're mid twenties facilitators at this and point. And I want to also say the stakes were high for him. I mean, this was this this opportunity to to be creative with us was a real um, gift from Julie to these young people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the, you know, he didn't not something he wanted to leave. Totally. Um, and then, like, so we have this this again this like crazy, crazy, crazy ass, like uh, situation happened within the workshop. I just am really honest. You know what I mean? There, there isn't something I'm putting on. There's not a formula I'm trying to follow at that point because none of that's in, none of that's there. You know what I mean? It's just, just the real. Um, and um, so we, I have a little conversation, probably some, some shaming and some various different things because well, if I fucking don't want to see anti-Semitism happening in the world. Uh, and, um, then, um, I, I can't remember if we asked him to leave that session or if he stayed, he stayed, he stayed. What happened was then my, my memory is, so you, you exploded and then you were, you were like, I gotta, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. You know? And you were like, and then you went and sat down yeah. and then Sarah and I were like, okay, let's all take a breath. And yeah. we sort of just like calmed everything down and moved right. into some writing and we actually just separated everybody. So they were working on their own. Right. And that was one of those moments where we, Sarah and I were just looking at each other, no idea what to do, right? Mm. We were, because once you had gone, this is the thing about what you were saying, the structures that the early facilitator needs. Mm. And once we were off of that thing, we were really like, See the now what? Yeah. See to our pants. Yeah. So, you know, like, it, and, and then after that situation, I'm like, ah, damn, I lost my cool. What's that? He left very unhappy, though. I remember yes. that. He yeah, didn't it, say it before, and he was very angry. Yeah. He was either angry or really ashamed. I can't, like, like, it's a little bit of both for sure because of what happened next, right? It was, like, we show up the next time, and he is, like, we walk in, he sees us, and he's running down the hall at us. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's coming to jump me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, instead of that happening. Wait, you froze. you froze. Can you say it again? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So, like, you know, however however he ended up leaving, um, I, I, you know, again, 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> so um, I what I recall is when we came back the next session, uh, and he spotted us from down the hall and started running full tilt towards us. And the guards are like, <gasps> and so I'm like, I'm like ready to Christmas drop my bag. Eve. What's that? That was Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah. I was like dropping my bag ready to like have, <laughs> have this confrontation because I of course remember him. And so I figured he's coming to like get, get like violent. Right. But he comes up and he's like, can I come to your workshop again? You know what I mean? So like that to me is still like one of my favorite facilitation stories of all time because 
that's not the end of the story. Oh, right. Keep going, please. So he came up and he wanted to come to the workshop. Then we did the workshop. And what happened was that kid between the, it would have been two months since we'd been there. Mm -hmm. He had got poems published. Oh, that is right. He had been published. He had, he had found himself as a writer. Right. He was so proud of himself and his memory of that time was of us as having mentored his artistic self. He was right. not holding that argument with totally. you at all. No. Nope. He was so happy and so grateful. Huh. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, he was, he, exactly. He was so happy, so grateful, so excited to spend time with us. And I think that's where, like, one of those, like, that was, like, one of those earliest lessons was, like, yes, you can be the mediator you can be the thing and you can just be really real because the real is like where it all lives um you know if something that like you know when stuff like that comes out in a workshop uh that level of like you, that level of racism just like really rears its head and you know you have an honest reaction sometimes it's not the worst thing to not be like formulaic and like think about what are the steps to like mediate this you know what i mean so I, I think that was that was a really interesting, mm. interesting, interesting lesson. That's a huge lesson. And when I think about you now, I imagine that you can walk that line without a thought. Like your structural work and your true emotional work are all one thing. But back then, we were kind of like you had to hold back a little bit or or train yourself to listen. Like okay. you were, saying. you know, I used to have to train myself to 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 say. Um, to take up space and to intentionally, you know, yeah. not get defensive about it. Well, actually, the, the other thing that I was thinking about was um, how nature played a role hmm. as well. Like how nature was our teacher without us necessarily giving it the props that it deserved. Yeah, um, well, whether that's up on Cortez. Mm -hmm in our learning and being in this like gorgeous place of Linnea farms. Um, that is this, you know, 390 acre, uh, co-op land sustained situation. I don't know what the exact words are around it, but it's trust. Got this, oh, the trust, the trust land trust. Uh, it's, it's this beautiful working farm with these, these families with this gorgeous lake, these gorgeous forests, fields, and how that, really is around us like we are surrounding ourselves with collaboration yeah that's at, the, right. at the truest at the truest sense of what collaboration can be and um and and that is just holding us mm -hmm. constantly and then remember when we went on the road with metaphor what would we do after every day well <clears throat> it's legal now <laughs> <laughs> well we do that but then we'd go into nature <laughs> You know what I mean? That's we, right. We, we would end up in the natural world um, where like we could. Yeah, because we were touring the interior. We were touring the interior of, the, of BC for, mm -hmm. God, a couple hundred shows. Yeah. And yeah, these some of the most beautiful places I'd ever seen. Yeah. Just breathtaking. And so it's, just thinking about nature as that. Porn. What's that story? We used to call it mountain porn. Oh, yeah, totally. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> So that's beautiful. So beautiful. You know, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. Right. You're so right. 
Because it's this, this, like, uh, oh, sorry, I think we're both frozen right now, so I'm going to just keep on talking until we're unfrozen. Well, it looks like you're... Reciprocity and, and the difference... Sorry, love, it all... Am I here? Froze. Yeah. That's okay, I'll edit out all these weird parts. Yeah, easy. Um, I just said, that's a really good point, like how, how you attune to the reciprocity of elements that are so different from each other. Mm -hmm. how everything flows in and flows out of each other in this kind of incredible collaboration yeah absolutely and i think you know i think you know when we're <laughs> locked in a van for three months together touring around uh around rural bc uh having having nature there as the uh, the great mediator if you would is definitely a good thing i wonder I want to continue to see your face, but I wonder if, like, we, uh, our video is... For a while. Yeah, let's try turning it off for a while. Okay. Can you go back to locked in a van? That's the last... Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, one thing I have to say is, like, uh, as long as my uh, name is Smart Fellow McSmackaroo, it's going to be hard <laughs> for me to not be, like, cracking jokes the whole time. So. <laughs> the jokes okay. i'm gonna do the jokes here i'll put my my star holder's name in here for you okay great um oh yapalapa mama that's right nice i like it i like it so yeah you know with metaphor we were locked in a van for three months on the road throughout bc eating hella crazy food uh worst breakfast ever do you remember yes i do with that gas station eggs Yep, gas station eggs. Don't do it, people. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> but nature was the great mediator. Right. Calmed us down, brought us all back together, <laughs> and, and let us continue on. Yeah, refreshed us, re-energized us. Yeah. Three, we were, some, there were days where we would play three shows in a day. Mm-hmm. Woo! Day. I, and, and moving all that equipment, I, I don't think I could do that now at all. What a trip, right? Because like that was when I remember to the initial point of that, the initial point of that was like, because we'd been doing all this facilitation work, I was like, oh, you know what, it'd be really cute for all of us to just do a few shows together. And then we bring in Benny and he spins on his head and we get booked for like 300 shows. <laughs> That's right. That's what happened. That's right. <laughs> Do you remember? Because I was like, oh, it'd be cool if we did like about like, you know, seven to ten shows over the year together. Yeah, that was because the kids in the detention center were like, how do you guys fit together? Yeah. Because we would do poems and stuff for them. And then and then the, your idea was like, well, what if what if it seemed more like we were like a band? Would that make more sense to them? It was really for them. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, partially part of it. Part of it was also like. And one of the things I really believe is that when we're when we're teaching an artistic practice, we should also be practicing that practice uh, in the in the world and at large because you know we're constantly learning and then the things that excite us about it we can bring into our teaching as well. Um, so that was kind of the the initial, you know what I mean? Like after the you know that initial call from who was it? I think it was through Cass initially that connected me with Julie C. Yeah. Uh, at the at the youth prison, I was like, ah, no way, I'm doing this by myself. And then I called you, and then I think you had the idea of bringing in Mike. Yeah. 
I can't remember. And then a year later, we're like, oh yeah, let's bring Sara into this too. Sara, and then uh, Sarah Kim was working at Art Starts. It was Tara Bailey actually to start. Oh, it was Tara Bailey. That's right. Yeah, the first the first few years was with uh, was with Tara working there. Yeah. And she like sent us on our merry way. <laughs> yeah, we did all those shows. So I wonder, because um, there's something still about happening. I know, and metaphor still. There's so many things that are still happening. Actually, no, it's so um, cool. Started, it's, which is a beautiful. And this is kind of what I mean in terms of like these are the deep lessons of paying it forward that I learned from, really from Hanif and Peggy and Charlie saying take whatever I've got and use it. Yeah, I feel like metaphor, the dream seeds, all these things that are still going on. Totally come from those early lessons. I mean, there's earlier lessons in the family, of course, of that too, but. Of course. And I think, I think that's part of what it means to, to show up ready. I, I sometimes think about your stories of your uncle teaching you yoga. Oh, as discipline. As, as discipline and, and, and the idea of yoga as discipline is very much like a really facilitative idea. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's looking at your strengths, strength-based work, you know? Yeah, slash contorting you into odd things when you do shitty stuff as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and, and that you would have that with you, that you don't punish a child, you you help them self-develop. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that was, you know, I think that's kind of part of what we all walked in with, not to say all very different, mm -hmm. all very different, but with the idea of potential, that there's this potential in everybody. Yeah. I wonder what, uh, you know, one of the stories from the metaphor, or one of the themes from the metaphor, the, all those shows for me, was that the arc that you're talking about still worked in an hour. Oh yeah, totally. And, uh, and how, you know, you had this idea, which is now Roop Loops, I guess, to bring the young people on stage. Mm -hmm. the, that, the, um, the trick, the trick continues. The big trick. Yeah, the big trick, which is like, you know, you get all these folks on stage doing, essentially replacing you for a moment in time. And then they're really just like, purely entertaining, enjoying and celebrating each other. And we're just like, there is witnesses. And this comes back to your work with access to media education, that mm -hmm. you can be the media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, no. the, the Charlie Murphy quotes of all time. Um, you know, uh, go from uh, uh, a, a culture of, um, okay, I got to get this right. You might have Consumer. to do some here, Nadia Cheney. Um, Consuming culture. Yeah, exactly. Go from uh, a, a culture of consumers to a, uh, uh, to a culture of creators or something to that effect, right? What was it? That's right. That's right. That's right. Because moving from consumers of culture to creators of culture. Yes. Exactly. And that's what he would call the social artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, what a, what a profound lesson. And the other one uh, that yeah, I really take away from the time is uh, passion meeting your purpose. Aha. And that's the good work in the world. That's it. That's the good word. When your passion meets your purpose. Yeah. I wonder 
what other stories we can tell? What are the stories that we should tell? Oh my goodness. Um, well, we got that, we got that. Um, you know, all this time we're doing our, you know, BPM situation too. Um, yeah, that was so different. That was really what you're saying. That was, that in that, I was learning how to extend my voice, mm -hmm. how to move with you. Like we really learned to, to move together and, and become like almost, almost psychic together from, I yeah. felt like from that on stage, which then would come back into our facilitation with this, un this ability to work with, with so much that's unspoken, like mm -hmm. rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just those 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 cues that we'd have on stage, they just like directly turn into like the cues that we'd use when we're co-facilitating too, right? Yeah. Just like just like passing passing lines, passing exercises, whatever it be, it just is like passing and uh, you know, and building. Yeah, it became very smooth. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I, I'm remembering so many stories now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, okay. like you remember, where were we were calling tomorrow was, where was that? We're calling oh, geez, tomorrow. That was, uh, 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 that was up in Taltan territory up in uh, Dee's Lake. Dee's Lake. That was an incredible story. Yep. Those young people, I think we we might, I might, I've, I've got a, a section of Tulsi where I'll tell the stories like in detail for people. Because right, right. this is a real teaching story. I wonder if, um, I wonder if we can for pull me, up any of the songs that we created, with, the numerous albums we created with young people. Oh, wow, yeah. I don't know where those are. I think I, I probably have an archive somewhere. There's actually a hip hop hope archive online in Bandcamp. Oh, great. Uh, so there's definitely yeah, some stuff time. there. I think we might have actually brought in some of the stuff from Dee's Lake into one of those. Oh, good. Yeah. So oh, great. Okay. That, that would be the place to check it, which I think would be a hilarious thing to underscore our conversation, by the way. If we like put the old BPM recordings and some hip hop hope stuff as, as sound bites oh, underneath. Okay. Definitely we'll do that. That would be pretty fun. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, I kind of I find myself wanting to ask you more about your current practice though oh yeah though sure so many like I'm just curious about like what what is your learning edge right now like you just gained so much expertise in this work over the decades mm -hmm. I must still be learning yeah I think my current learning actually stems back and kind of like what I was remembering is how we really understood um, co-facilitation and collaboration because so you know so many of us went on to just facilitate things ourselves because you know we came to a point where that was there was that much kind of like demand for us individually in the world too right um, but the idea of co-facilitation and holding space with somebody and how that moves um, is uh, was, was like one of the you know like we dove really deep into how to co-facilitate together uh, and co-create together too in a way yeah we, we really yeah where we could all feel like you know we were like integral um we all like you know had like we were all seen we we're all seeing each other we we're all helping each other kind of like build in that way and so mm -hmm. i think like my learning edge now 
really where I'm trying to learn again, you know, is going back to like looking at lessons of the natural world and like the idea mm -hmm. of interdependence of collaboration, um, of, of those things I think are like where I want my work to be heading. I think both like in the arts artistic realm, but also in the, um, more facilitated realm as well. Like lately what I've been doing is working with, um, artists, uh, setting up mentorship programs for young artists aged like, you know, 18 to 26 ish. And, um, young people who are really interested in moving into a, a place where they can kind of create, create as a career. And, hmm. you know, one of the things that I do within that, and it's very much from like how we all kind of shot up was like, you know, how you, how do you lead a workshop? Because leading workshops is a, a great sustainer for artists as well. That's right. You know what I mean? yeah. And I feel like that also creates uh, community in, in the arts, in the arts practice. It creates intergenerational community within the arts practice, which is something I'm super grateful for right now is having, mm -hmm. having that and, and how that kind of continues that work. And yeah, so that's been, been kind of the edge, like, as you know, over the last like number of years, I kind of hit 40 and I was like, I've been doing, you know, community work for 20 years and I haven't fully given myself to uh, my creative practice in, in the full extent mm -hmm. that I wanted to. Uh, and so I've mm -hmm. been really over the last while, I, you know, facilitation um, has been happening in these mentorship programs for sure. Um, all the, all the, you know, lessons that we've learned from way back when and, um, show up in those places, but they also show up in how I create space for artistic collaboration. Like we just did a, um, this Vox and Fold process, which was a group of like, uh, BIPOC folks, um, that kind of came together to create over COVID, uh, you know, doing our distance, but very much in, in kind of, I was the lead of that creative process. Um, it is like, you know, an idea I initiated and, you know, using a lot of the, the similar tools and trainings that we've both received over the years. Really? In those spaces. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Can you describe a little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, you know, creating like what we, I think what we both aim to do and what a lot of us in this, in this world aim to do is create a space where everyone is welcome, no matter yeah. where, no matter where they're at. Yeah. And like, fuck, you know, like for, uh, particularly black and indigenous folks and those of us that like, it's been a fucking intense time mm -hmm. in, in the, in the rearing up of all the like crazy amounts of like racism, colonization and all of that. And so when we're going into this space amidst a COVID pandemic where we'd been by ourselves a lot. Mm -hmm. And when we did this, we did it in a COVID safe way, which was like really distanced, using masks and shields and microphones so we weren't projecting and sound systems and loopers all MIDI synced. But within that, there's like, again, this idea of the flexible container, right? I was like, <laughs> at that point in time, you know, people couldn't make it every time. So folks, folks were having like all sorts of intense personal things happening in, the, in their own lives. But the way that we, we came together 
and held that space. And again, this is the like, I may initiate things, but it's the collaboration and the agreement between everybody to hold those spaces that really holds those spaces, not, not me. Um, and so in those collaborative experiences, that facilitation practice holds, holds that for all of us. Wow. So if you want to give some, like, if you wanted to, if someone was new to the work or kind of intermediate in the work and they're listening to you and you're saying, okay, well, it's not me. It's the, it's, it's us. Mm -hmm. How did they, how do, what, what advice would you have or would you have any advice for how they could enact that? Like what that really means? Well, honestly, like it's literally community agreements. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, really dig into that that is how we hold a space together is to agree to how we're going to hold it yeah no i think that gets brushed over sometimes i mean the agreements get made uh, mm -hmm. but it doesn't always turn into a container exactly so i think it's just the like deeper levels of understanding of what that means what that what that truly truly means and like, you know, we might do it consciously or unconsciously while we're participating in a group. Uh, but when we can all become conscious of that, which I feel like everybody in the Vox and Fold process was, everybody was there to like hold each other where we were all at. And there was flexibility within the group. There wasn't this like, you know, we, we did have a kind of rigid schedule for, for maybe the studio because we had to like figure out COVID safe ways of people like coming and going. But in the process of creating right. it um, at, at the Western Front, um, we remain just flexible with each other. You know what I mean? And not, and not like, you know, it just... And you're saying that was something that you agreed to. You agreed to that flexibility beforehand and that allowed you to enact it? Yeah, I think that was the invitation to knowing where we we're at, right? Like I, I had received this uh, grant. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay. So now, now we got something interesting, right? So there are the agreements, mm -hmm. but then there's the, then there's the invitation. Mm. And those are sort of two. They're almost like two. The two ways the street flows, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. That very mixed metaphor I just offered you, but <laughs> necessarily flow. But <laughs> maybe if you're a fish, but but you 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 know what I mean? Like on one hand they have to agree, on the other hand you have to invite. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, a Charlie Murphyism, uh, make the invitation irresistible. Yes. Make the invitation irresistible. You know, they did make, they made the invitation to this whole work irresistible. Like, Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, especially like for me, never going to post-secondary education, um, to receive that kind of mentorship, um, from yeah. Peggy, Charlie, and Hanif um, was just, you know, it was like these adults just like kind of spreading their wings and being like, yeah, come catch this draft with us. That's right. You know what and I mean? Got that like, so I'm actually, and the cool process of letting us fuck up so we could learn. Exactly. Because it never, our fuck ups never, I don't think, ever put the group in a place of uh, where they weren't safe. It, didn't, it wasn't it wasn't to that point but but uh i think uh they like they like really gave us room to like screw up and redirect yep 
That's right. Just a lot of faith, a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I see other um, training practices that don't have that. Other, mm-hmm. other modalities that are much more, you know, sort of do it our way. Yeah. And they were more like, take our way and do with it what you think is right. Yeah, and make it yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Charlie Murphy, <laughs> you know, is like, I got an idea. Hip hop hope. <laughs> to which, you know, like, we've been Wait, doing. You cut out. You got to say that again. Cut oh, out. <laughs> Just say it again because you cut out there. No worries. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got Charlie Murphy coming at, coming at me and whispering an idea. He's like, hey, I got this idea. What do you think about it? Hip hop hope. And yeah. like, you know, and that was, that to me was just like such a, such a way of him witnessing what we were doing and bring and bringing it into, in, and seeing how what we were doing fits in with the work. With his work. Yeah. They just, yeah. they really, they were, they, they, there wasn't an edge in a way. And somehow when Power of Hope, the youth camp became the training organization Pi, mm-hmm. that is one thing that a little that I think kind of got lost. Yeah. Oh, okay. There was something about those camps that were so centered on the richness of creativity and just like everybody in, just bring everybody in mm. and let's see who you are and how you can work in this environment. And I think because it, there were, the stakes were very um, different. Like it was just a week long camp. Yeah. You know, you didn't have to, if someone had a bad idea, well, they did the bad workshop and it was over, you know, like I, I remember one of my early workshops, I was like, getting everyone to understand that everything around them was speaking, you know, at all times. <laughs> you, don't, you don't build that into a training program long-term, but it was something that I wanted to play with. And, and there was space to play with everything. It was a real cauldron in that way. Yeah. Whereas training isn't that. Anytime you're, you're training, you, there's much more um, accountability to what you deliver because it's going to flow forward. And I felt like, my learnings in those camps and with you in the detention center and, and with BPM mm-hmm. uh, and, on, and on various millions of other ways, um, it was that learning through experimentation. Right. That, that's where I feel like, that's I think why I know what I know so well is because I, I didn't learn it from someone telling it to me. I learned it by fucking up. Yeah. And by having wonderful successes also. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and, those, and those successes celebrated and, and witnessed. Yes, and witnessed and, and taken on by my mentors. And, and that's why they trusted us, you know, mm-hmm. both the, the, I think the, the honorable ways that we would fail and also the sort of wonder we had at our successes. Totally. Um, the, yeah, they just responded to us with such open hearts and there was never any professional jealousy or any kind of holding sometimes people go to art school and they tell me you know they're they're studying with these great artists but the artists won't teach them their techniques right you know and and uh peggy especially all the years i spent with peggy later in at pi mm-hmm. uh charlie too but it's, but charlie and i were both on the road so i didn't spend as much time with him totally. I spent more time with peggy and she would she was just so authentic in giving giving away what she knew yeah. But at the same time, never losing the childlike learning spirit, always yeah. willing 
to do it differently. So giving it away as expertise, but still doing it differently when, when something better came along. And I saw her do that hundreds of times. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's not and dogmatic the, work. The other thing that was always really inspiring about them was uh, their, I think like, you know, their ability to learn as well. Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh, as far as the like is you know uh, as far as the kind of anti-o edge of the work is like what we started bringing into it right power of hope was that had wasn't doing any of that specific work that's right um and and their willingness to like you know as these like older white people to sit with and look at and debate with and like hold space for that's right. That was really quite extraordinary. It's quite extraordinary. And that was then, quite 20 phenomenal. years ago. Yeah. yeah, 20 years ago. I hope this is feeling like a big old love smack for you, Peggy. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to send it to her and be like, fast forward to this part first and then go back. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the amount that they have fed our beings our spirits our hearts our minds uh it's just like no other yeah absolutely the the very first workshop that i did at um at power of hope was peggy's idea i did it with mike she and it was on media literacy right. and she came and she was just it's like the, this this kind of encouragement that never let up through all the years of just it's like a, it was like a pure i believe in you it was, it never faltered. And Yo. I always will feel that. Yeah, um, right? Strength, yeah. Phenomenal. Someone... I think I just remembered, and I could be wrong. Again, you know, we're dealing with 20-year-old memories here. But I think Child's Eye came from Hanif. Is that right? I think Child's Eye came from Hanif. I think Iceberg did as well. Iceberg definitely did. Yeah. Iceberg, I think, came from the Est work. Okay. Um, before the, what that Hanif had learned, I think uh, my understanding is that Hanif and Peggy had both done those Est trainings uh, oh. separately, not knowing each other. Oh wow! So okay. Charlie's work came through the YMCA, um, and there was another. There was a youth leadership program where he had his first taste of facilitation when he was like eighteen years old. Okay. Um, which, you know, just for the record, we met Charlie and Peggy when they were both in their 50s. Right. Um, but they had both done so many extraordinary things before they uh, started. And Charlie was deep in, in arts facilitation already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they, I think, I know that Iceberg came from that, that time. That time, yeah. That work, where they were developing this thing called human potential and and um, I don't know, some of Peggy's stories are, I'm gonna do an interview with Peggy for sure and see if she'll tell some of the stories of those, uh, what were they called? I think they were called encounter groups and they would do these experiments like like psychodrama type experiments on like digging up your shit and saying it to a stranger and acting it out and stuff like, like really edgy stuff we'd never probably do. But I think a lot of the, you know, you, like you said um, about the arts and how you have to have an arts practice in order to use the arts in your work. Now, that's an interesting thing because one of the big ideas at Pi mm. is that you don't have to be a professional artist to use the arts in your work. Yep. But I think you don't have to be a professional artist. Totally. 
<laughs> I, I also agree. Yeah, you have absolutely. to have a practice, though. What's that? You do have to have a practice, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it should be something that you should be, uh, the, the richer it is in your own life, the richer you can be able to bring it to other people. Yeah, Hanif used to say the group only goes as deep as the facilitator. Ooh. Which I actually don't believe. I think the group goes as deep as whoever the leader is, and that's not always the facilitator. <laughs> word, word. Yeah, definitely. Um, hmm. Yeah, oh, that's a good, good, good little debate there. Does the group go as deep as the lead point, or does the group go as deep as the group is willing to hold space for depth? Well, I've seen that break. I've seen that floor break for sure. Right. Where it just will go too deep. Yeah. Where, right, where someone starts to share. And that's a question of agreements. And also the facilitator's ability to interrupt in an empowering way. Word. But sometimes I've definitely seen someone go off on a limb and break the trust in the group. Mm. Mm. Yep. Truth. Truth. Well, group, I think we may have to do it again. I don't know. I'm not trying to say goodbye right now, but I just feel like I've got like thousands of stories coming to me. Right <laughs> this is maybe a three-part series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It might have to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with that because, you know, walking down memory road with you is good times. Yeah, it is. It is. It's always good practice, actually, to to try to remember so many things happened over the years and um yeah and i just wondered like you know how many of them like mash up against each other you know yeah it, like as in do we have the same memories of the same events yeah, or like the <laughs> same timelines or like how do we compound all those like you know you know hundreds of camps we've done into like different stories yeah exactly exactly it'd be nice to try to remember something you know, especially if we go back to like, you know, more of a time zone thinking of things, uh, we're living these continue these cyclical arcs of those, of those, mm -hmm. uh, um, those, uh, those camps. And so we, yeah, they're all really kind of one camp in a way, aren't they? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Very, very, I think very much. And so many different things at the same time. Yeah. What do you think that is? How, what do you think of that? Uh, How do you think? Uh, on the deeper level, it's the tapestry of infinity. <laughs> <laughs> on the more shallow level, it's like an emotional arc experience that we had over and over and over again. And we came like more and more home and honed within it. Beautiful. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like to work together again. We talked about the fact that, you know, once uh, in the in the pandemic, you know, all the facilitation being online, mm. we would be able to facilitate together again since we're now living uh, 3,000 kilometers apart. Yeah. But, um, we didn't, but we haven't. And yeah. I, I wonder what it would be like after all these years. I guess it's been at least seven years since we facilitated together. How long, hey? Or more. I've been gone from Vancouver for seven been years. Gone from, for seven years. Um, so it might even be more. Because I, well, do you remember the last time we worked together? Trying. Um, I'm trying to remember our last BPF show. There was like a, there was a show. Um, 
with the not Indian summer, but the other the, with the um, this I'm going to have to edit out. But the the other Indian festival in Vancouver. Oh, um, yeah, Diwali. Yeah, the Diwali festival. We had a oh, show then. That's right. Um, but I'm really trying to remember when we last facilitated together. Fuck. Um, God damn. I remember Kari doing a fundraiser and us playing a show then, but that, and that would have been close to when I left. Yeah. Uh, did we lead a camp together near the end? Gosh, I can't remember. It's hard. Right? Uh, wait, did we go to Indigenize together? Ooh, I don't think so. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Wandering through the like Rolodex of memories here. Yeah, how bizarre. Right? Yeah, um, like the last hip hop pope or. Because then that's years ago. That's, yeah, that's a fuck kind of time ago. Um, when did we stop going on tour with Metaphor? Then it was then that that's what we did last was we were still doing metaphor shows then. Yeah, right. It must have been metaphor and yeah, it must have been metaphor. That makes yeah, sense. the Surrey kids, the Surrey kids thing, kids oh, fest. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, oh yeah, man. <laughs> There's another one, Surrey Urban Youth Project. Yeah, yeah. Shit, I, think, I, think I, the comic book. I think I have the comic book like right over here. Really? Yeah, I'm sure I do. Ooh, that'd be great to snap a picture of that. Yeah, I'm gonna have a night. I'm gonna definitely have to have an interview with Mia just about the Surrey Urban Youth Project. Totally. That's hilarious. There were so many, there were so many things, the commercial drive festival. Totally. Onion so many rings. things that really blew up. <laughs> onion rings. What did Dairy you say? I said onion rings at Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> After every Surrey, Surrey uh, session, we'd go get onion rings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. All the work with Safe Team. Holy shit. Safe so much. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot then. I really learned a lot from that. Yeah. You know what? That was so important to me because it was script-based facilitation. And so I feel like that's where I honed a lot of my um, embodiment and eye contact and gestural body and all of that really came from safety because that's where you were connecting. Very cool. Very cool. Because the words were the same every time. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Ah, shit. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's a little overwhelming to go through every. I know, right? There's a lot. <laughs> Even, that's what I'm finding with Tulsi, you know, is like, as I start to be like, oh, let me teach some pieces. I'm like, holy, there's a lot here. Yeah. Lot here. And um, I'm glad yeah. to get it all down, you know. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it's, it's going to be such a great tool. We've um, been so well mentored. We've been so well trained by our teachers and by each other that I feel like there's something to honor that and, and put it down. Yeah, I think that's going to be amazing. Yeah, and also be able to put it down in a way as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
I also have this hunger to give myself to my arts practice. I feel like the um, facilitation, the years of facilitation developed a safety inside of myself, a sense of my own strengths mm -hmm. that, that now is like raring to go. It's, it's, it primed me to believe in my own creativity in a way I certainly didn't when we started. Mm. Yeah. I was so shy when we would perform together. I would just like, <laughs> you remember how you always had to cue me? Yeah. I just, it, I learned so much in those years of oh, being yeah, yeah. No, I totally forgot that, but now I do remember. I was just so scared. It was just like, and, and, and I think it was years of people inviting me to do things, including yourself, that were over my head. Right. That really built that self-belief, you know, and it's really, I, I try to always pass that on and just always make offers to people knowing that they will step up to them. Yeah. Awesome. Not to what you've seen them do, to, but what, what you think they might dream of doing. Yeah. And then if it's a soft landing, so if you fail, you fail, who cares? You know, and there were definitely shows where we failed oh. <laughs> and workshops. Workshops, shows, you name it. Failure has been a deep part of the learning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, Rupa, thank you so much. Can we turn the video on just for a second to say goodbye? Oh, sure. I can't thank you enough. The, the, uh, the opportunity to inaugurate these podcasts with you is it's a freaking honor and totally you know uh, happy to happy to do it again <laughs> yeah let's do it again we have to do it again i think once we as soon as we turn it off we're gonna be like oh we had all these other things we <laughs> totally well i think like you know even talking about a little bit more about how creative practice and like co-creative practice led into co-facilitation as well right I thought, oh, no, never mind. We talked about how, how those cues came to came from each other, but maybe not as in-depth. You know, what I'm really interested in is thinking into, like, a real practice of co-facilitation hmm. um, and kind of almost, like, delineating that for people. Like like you said, you know, there was the, they're setting the intentions together and there's debriefing together, but there, were, but there were practices within that. Also, like, how we ended up passing work back and forth, taking space from each other how when i don't know what's going on how to signal that to you without signaling it to the group all yeah all of those i'd, I'd love to to which, me which now i'm totally fine doing fyi <laughs> i'm totally fine being like not really sure what's going on right now but how about this <laughs> yeah because now you have the gravitas that as 20 year olds we didn't have yeah truth truth know? or we didn't think we had yeah but i think actually we didn't have some. Yeah. We had some. You, yeah, you, you certainly did. <laughs> you always had that commanding presence, you know? Yeah. And then if I, you know, people wouldn't pay attention, I'd light shit on fire and throw it around. That's right. <laughs> I think what what an attention whore. <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way, but, but I don't deny that you would. <laughs> Oh, no. remember like remember the fucking first time with Han the Hanif session with Alan um with the push-ups yeah oh let's tell that as a closing story oh my god uh what up shout out shouts out to Alan Wong uh long time uh 
co-facilitator and learner in this process and teacher of uh, ours, big love. Um, yeah, it was just like was one of those things where it was like what the exercise was. At that point in time, it wasn't Hanif and Peggy leading it. And it wasn't even called Heart of Facilitation. No, no, it was it was um, Eric Martyr and that uh, that incredible psychic friend of Hanif's, Robin, whose last yeah. name I can't remember in this moment. Totally. And Eric Martyr was a high ropes course person. There was no, yes. it wasn't creativity. It was oh my God, personal. we did high ropes. <laughs> we did high ropes. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. you're right. There are so many damn memories. Um, wow. Um, but this one in particular was... Um, you know, we had this push-up exercise. Yeah, the plank. The plank, uh, just to see, you know, is one of those things of pushing mind over matter, so, so to speak. Um, and, you know, in no part in the rules did it say that you couldn't also bring yourself back up after dropping. Uh, no part in the rules did it say that you couldn't help somebody else. Uh, and then, like, you know, uh, so I forget, like, it's Alan me and somebody there at the end and I like let myself down and I think oh there's no reason I can't lift myself back up they never said anything about that and I'm like this is about like opening up new places in the mind so I was like cool just just lift myself back up and I was like oh there's Alan over there who hasn't let himself down is really struggling so I'm just gonna go put myself under Alan yeah <laughs> I remember and then uh in the debrief of that uh Hanif, it said some, I don't know if you can remember the exact words, but it was like um, something around needing to be the center of attention. Uh, and, you know, I remember so many things like in that moment combining for wow. this like profound, profound lesson. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I like pretty much well curled into a fetal position. Yeah, I do I, remember that. And, and I, like, I don't think you came back after that. What's that? I don't think you did. You come back after that? that oh session? yeah, 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 totally. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, numerous times, numerous times after that, um, because it was so, such a like profound, profound piece that I was like, oh my god, there's such deep learning to be done here, and we're like what twenty two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> um, also taking us into the schools. You remember? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred. Um, so I think I only missed the last session because he switched the dates. Oh, okay. Of, of that, of, of that, of that uh, training part. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. And there's the, the like profound lesson that was in that uh, around even with the, what I thought was the good intentions of like helping out, you know, another person, how I am, how it's possible to just center yourself again as opposed to not be, not be about you right because seva has been a part of my life since i was really young which means being, service yeah being, and the selfless act of service um so that was like <clears throat> in my mind and so what that made me kind of reflect back on and and look at my life as the like you know second youngest youngest from my mom the, like all the various different ways that I maybe did not receive attention in in those younger years and how I was now in this place of my early 20s feeling more and more empowered and seeking attention 
um, and how all that just like, um, just, you know, I think made me a, a deeper, more reflective person uh, in, in that moment, you know what I mean? Because initially I had, you know, my initial fight back was like, but there weren't any rules that I can't do this. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you, you set up a game, I'm playing the game according to the rules you set and didn't set. So, you know what I mean? Like, so that was my initial pushback. But but then, yeah, there's this, like, unspoken thing that is supposed to be an individual thing. And I still probably rail up against that a bit because I don't... You know, I think individuality is an illusion as fuck. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, like we are, we are very much us in all of our learning, um, and, and at the same time, having that rail back, also trusting and really uh, looking up to Hanif, mm -hmm. um, trusting that there was something for me to deeply, deeply reflect about, uh, and having having super deep reflection there it was, uh, yeah, that was amazing. I can feel the emotion in it even now. Yeah. So many oh, years later. Yep. It was, it was, it was such a profound moment though. Do you remember the, um, the rejection exercise? Mm. Where you had to choose a partner, the partner pick. Oh shit. I still do that in training, but I don't do it that way. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll describe it in Tulsi in detail, of course, but um, right. it's this exercise where you like, you're choosing a partner wordlessly and you may get rejected. Mm -hmm. And for me, the biggest lesson of that, that first training that we went to was um, that I was not picked in the last round. Right. And, and the same thing, and this is what I believe about facilitation that's different than teaching is because it's not content driven, because it's relational, yeah. it brings out your deepest thing, whatever that thing is. And so I found myself wandering around without a partner and this other person also didn't have a partner, but wouldn't partner with me. And having, and, and you know, my life story. I mean, you okay. know, my life story like one of the most core it's like i had to face my rejection complex mm. I was never from then until now it's not that it's healed it's yeah. that i had to be aware that that was part of my game exactly and I, that I that's part that, of what I, you know yeah. is try to avoid rejection. so i just had to rackets use, yeah the racket which also comes from the s work or the landmark work right you yeah, I had to, you have to know what those are for yourself. Yeah. And this is what I think us all, the four of us, or, you know, you, me and Sarah and Mike, yeah. and a lot of these other people too, Alan and Devin and, you know, Evan, we totally. knew each other's rackets. Yeah. And I think that's something in co-facilitation that gets overlooked is like, you actually need to know the dark part, the shadowy, the totally. shadow part of each other, partly to mitigate it, but also to have compassion. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Alan still is a complete shining star flawless to me. Alan so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave him I meant that Alan knew our dark. Yes, totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to have to interview Alan for sure. Yeah, you definitely, definitely should. I want to listen to that too. Possibly even just get in on it. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. We can do multiple people. It'd be really fun. Oh, thanks for that. I didn't think of that until now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like, you know, you have a bunch of individual ones to get the individual stories out, but then like we have some group, uh, 
uh, memorializing. That sounds like a fun idea. Yeah, let, I definitely really want to do that. Yeah, that would be super fun. Uh, I miss him. And that yep. whole crew. Uh, when I saw him, I guess it was two summers ago he came up for a visit. It was really nice. I haven't seen him since Safe. Safe, the social artist festival. Oh, right. I mean, pronounced Sass. Sass. <laughs> I just borrowed the E. I just made it a small E in festival. <laughs> Sass. You know, that maybe as a last point, that is something that I think on one hand, we knew each other's shadow, mm-hmm. but on the other, it was really the, it was the depth of our friendship and the depth of our trust in each other at a very like, you know, we, I think we saw things in each other that even relationships that had, that were much longer, we, we're, people hadn't seen those things in me. Mm-hmm. My capacity and also my failures to just fail so brutally and in front of other people and in front of groups, I, I, we developed a sense of safety with each other. Yeah, you know? I think, you know, we like, as much as we may have seen the darkness, we saw the potential uh, and drew out, drew out the, the light in each other, you know, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hilarious kids, man, hilarious. You mean us when we were little? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, we were. Uh, what Chris Tate actually sent me, like, uh, an interview he found online from uh, one of the, ver- the very first Hip Hop Hope we did in Canada. He, there was, like, I don't know, Shock Cable or something like that came through for an interview, and they interviewed me for it. And <laughs> I think Chris's first statement to me was like, how can you even wear this outfit, bro? <laughs> you were wearing... Oh my god, uh, do you remember going up to the, remember being up in the Northwest Territories working with Bite? Yeah. Oh, Yukon, Yukon, sorry, it was in Whitehorse. Yeah, yeah. Working with Bite, so I had one of their little red tube caps on, and like my classic like, uh, you know, collared, collared shirt under t-shirt with, uh, with a jacket. <laughs> Cute. Pretty hilarious. ridiculous yeah this is fun though nuts thanks thank you so much yeah we'll do it again for sure right i am looking forward to it yeah it's nice i mean we talk every week but it's just nice to actually focus on this aspect totally yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like just the, the, the reflective. It's good. When we're, talk, when we're talking on the weekly, we're talking about kind of what's happening right now. The now and the, and the near future. Yeah. yeah that's right. So. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It feels really healthy to go back, actually. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes some of the lessons clearer. Mm-hmm. And reminds me of them. I know, I know. Me too. I've actually completely forgotten about Bite. I've completely forgotten about that first night with Hanif. Right good to have these reminders and i have a feeling like now that we've had this if you do remember any will you just make a little note because i have a feeling after this conversation we'll remember a lot more sure yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, happy to okay well thank you so much ruth thank you (laughs) ruth is blowing kisses (laughs) ruth is blowing kisses if you're just listening on audio (laughs) uh i love you love you too yeah we'll talk to you soon love bye and interview (laughs) 